So we'll go ahead and get started. So thank you everybody for joining us on another episode of MediVet Roundtable. Our special guest tonight is Dr. Cinda Rykovich from Golden Bone Animal Wellness Center in Sedona, Arizona. Dr. Rykovich has only been partnered with us for a few months now, but I continue to be blown away by the great work and results that she's had since she onboarded with us. Uh, tonight, she's going to highlight a couple special cases for us uh, on Rosie and Andy. Rosie's case is really one of my favorites of all time. Every time Dr. Rykovich talks about it, I get cold chills because it's just so cool. I mean, this is a dog that couldn't even wag her tail for three years that is now wagging and playing as she was as she was meant to do. So I also have Dr. Larry Snyder on the call tonight. He is a stem cell guru in his own right. So let's go ahead and get started. And uh, Dr. Rykovich, could you just start off with a little background on yourself and your experience sure. with MediVet so far? Sure. I've been a veterinarian for 17 years. Um, a lot of it has been either emergency medicine or we had a mobile vet clinic where we did both daytime and emergency. And I just finished a year and a half rotation at Prescott Area Pet Emergency in Prescott in Arizona. And we started our new business over in Sedona recently, just in the last few months. Uh, one of our friends passed away and we had told her that we would take care of her pets and and take care of things over there for her. She owns a pet food store over there in Sedona, and the other half of it was a veterinary office. The veterinarian got sick and was gone for three months, and the business partner of our friend that passed away asked us if we would like to take that space, and it just all worked out perfectly because I had looked into Medivet over two years ago and really, really wanted to invest in the company and the, be able to do the procedures in-house, but we had a mobile vet clinic and there was nowhere to put the equipment and I didn't feel that it would be sterile enough. So it was perfect timing. We rented the space. We went ahead and called Medivet. They've been great. We got the equipment right away. Um, we installed it, and then Sarah came out, and we had two cases already set up that we wanted to do, one of them being Rosie, and the other, our best friend's dog, he's a great Pyrenees mix, Andy. He's 13 years old, neutered male, osteoarthritis of the hips, and he was also having some underlying kidney issues. We were having to give him uh, sub-Q fluids once a week. And the amazing thing is, since we gave him his stem cell in July, we did both of their cases July 2nd, we haven't had to give him any more sub-Q fluids. His blood work was normal when we checked before we did the stem cell therapy and the surgery, but in the past, since we've been taking care of him since February, we've had to do sub-Q fluids once a week on him because he would stop eating, he wasn't feeling well, he'd get dehydrated, um, just borderline renal problems, not really too bad in the past on the blood work that I've seen. And when I did the blood work before doing the stem cell therapy, it was normal, but we had just given him more sub-Q fluids. But we haven't given him any more sub-Q fluids since July 2nd. He's running around like a maniac, 13-year-old Pyrenees. And that's since, tonight, his, that's since his uh, stem cell treatment? No, because we gave the rest IV. We did osteoarthritis, 
care for his hips and we injected the stem cells and the PRP into both hips, but I gave the rest IV knowing that he had had an underlying renal issue. And it seems like we haven't had any more issues with that. And I'm going to repeat blood work and repeat his x-rays to see what his hips look like now and make sure that his buin and creatinine are still within normal limits. But I thought that was a really neat side effect. <laughs> like Dr. Yeah, side benefit for sure. But Rosie, Rosie's an amazing case. Rosie came to us three years ago. She came in from Jerome Humane Society. They had, she was a stray in California. They rescued her. She was a year and a half old cockapoo. She actually wasn't very nice. She wasn't real socialized. Uh, they adopted her out to an elderly lady in Jerome. And I got a call that Jerome Humane Society was going to bring an injured cockapoo in. This was July of 2016. And I was told that they didn't know what happened to her. She sustained a severe spinal injury. She couldn't walk. And Jerome was going to escort the lady in because she hadn't planned on even bringing Rosie in for care at all. So she came in and the dog was sitting in front of me. She hadn't urinated in three days. She got injured three days earlier. It was evident that the injury was in the about T3 and the lumbosacral region, both, two areas. She had deep pain in both hind legs and no withdrawal reflexes whatsoever. So both hind legs were completely paralyzed. And the urinary bladder was enormous. I don't know how she I'm not urinating for three days. So the lady asked me, can you fix her? And I told her, ma'am, very politely, even if I could, I'm not going to give her back to you. You left her like this for three days. So I said, you've got a couple of options. I really don't want to put her down. I'd like to give her a chance with some steroids. So if you want to, I will take her and I will do everything I can for her. So she very willingly gave me Rosie. She didn't object to it at all. Um, so we started with a dog with just deep pain. And in vet school, we were told this was a, a pretty bad prognosis without surgery. So we took her down to Phoenix and got a neurology consult from a neurologist down there and he said that the injury was so severe he thought her spine was transected and that she had a five percent chance to ever walk again or even recover so a really grim prognosis and i really stopped myself because as a vet i always stop and think all right are they suffering am i causing more pain is there anything I can do to, to fix this? And if not, what's my best option for this pet? What's their best option? She wasn't in any pain at all. So I pursued the steroids for at least two weeks, saw a little bit of a difference. And then I, I weaned her off the steroids and we started cold laser and acupuncture with electrodes. Jerome Humane Society's doctor, Dr. Kennaway, she's wonderful. She helped with this whole process. So she would do the electrode acupuncture, and then we did the cold laser with the K-laser 
twice a week. And I couldn't believe it. Within a couple weeks, she started moving her feet. And then she started moving her legs. And it just kept progressing, getting better and better, just slowly getting better. So we got her a little wheelchair. And I, I can send you pictures of Rosie in her little wheelchair. But she would haul around running over the little dogs we'd rescued with her wheelchair. She was crazy. So I thought, you know what? This dog has so much heart and she's not suffering. I'm going to continue. I'm just going to keep going. So we learned about the stem cell therapy. And I honestly wish that we had done it a couple years ago because I think it would, would have really supercharged her, her recovery. Because two days after we gave her the stem cells on July 2nd of this year, she wagged her tail for the first time in three years. She's never been able to wag her tail. And then less than a week later, she was standing on her hind legs trying to crawl onto the couch. And this dog was paralyzed when, when I took her in, completely paralyzed in the back end. So the only caveat to this is that she still cannot urinate on her own. So we joke about it, who squeezed Rosie? Because we, we palpate and express her bladder several times a day, every day. It's not that big of a deal. It takes less than five seconds. We just tell her, hey, Rosie, it's time to go. And the funny thing about it is if you don't tell her to go and you squeeze the bladder, you can't express it. You have to get her cooperation. So she does have a little bit of control. And my thought with the stem cell was I thought, well, shoot, I got nothing to lose. Rosie's got nothing to lose. Why don't we take the stem cells and inject it between L6, 7 at, and do like a spinal tap and, and put it right into the spine and then do injections all along the spine too. And so that's what we did with the first stem cell therapy. We just finished the second stem cell therapy on the 16th and actually it was on the 10th, the 10th of August on a Saturday we came in and we did not repeat the injection into the spinal column, but we did it all along the spine the second time around. And we noticed that she's getting more agile and more strength in her hind legs, less ataxia, but we still have to express her bladder. So my hope was that maybe she might urinate on her own, but I knew that was pretty far-fetched, but I'm extremely happy with how far she's come just in the last month, five weeks with the stem cell therapy, the, the minimization of the ataxia, the, the fact that she can run, like you can believe how fast this dog can run. I mean, I was in track and field for years. I did heptathlon and this dog can move after being paralyzed. I have to chase her around to catch her. She, uh, swimming was huge in her reha rehabilitation and her therapy. We would take her swimming, try to swim at least a couple times a week. I set up a, a tank at home that had warm water in it when we couldn't go to the pool, which was real easy to do. So when people tell me, well, I don't have a pool, you know, I don't have that kind of money. We just had a big stock tank and a swim a life vest. And we would stand there with her for 15 minutes at a time and, and have her swim every day when we could at home. And then the pool was only once or twice a week. So there's a lot of things people can do if they think outside the box. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You don't have to have a swimming pool per se if you don't have one. There's things you can do. We had, well, 
just a giant stock tank that we had bought from Ace Hardware and filled it with warm water. And then we had a little water heater in it and swam her every day. But that made a huge difference too. Um, did you guys have any questions? I know I'm kind of rambling on, but we yeah, get really yeah, excited when we see things. Type them into the chat here or uh, unmute yourself. We're, we're, we're welcome and willing to answer any questions you guys have for sure. I've, I've been listening. I'm, I'm impressed with the level of devotion that you've shown to Rosie. It's, uh, um, it's, it's really, we, it's encouraging. Don't give up on those detussor muscles either. No. As far as, uh, as far as that goes, um, they may just be a little slower, but with the, the level of, of progress that you've made already, that's, that's impressive. Uh, Thank you. Especially with a, with par, uh, either a transected or partially transected. And I, I agree with you in school. This is one you just write off. Um, I know. And usually the, they, they give you when you, when you lose that, that deep pain, that grade four IVDD, you're, you know, less than a 5% chance of recovery, even with surgery. So. Oh, I know. Those and you know, the funny thing yeah. is, I'm sorry. No, no, the no, the doctor, the neurologist declined to do surgery on her. He said she wasn't a candidate. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's, it, it's interesting. I know that, that uh, um, Dr. Mike had talked about the, the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel that had been dropped and had, I mean, no sensation. Um, seems like that was upper thoracic fracture for 90 days because the neurologist told him that, well, you know, you give stem cells, the dog gets better. It would probably get better on its own. So they went 90 days before they did stem cell on this dog. Oh, wow. they, stabilized, they stabilized the, they went in surgically. This was in North Carolina state, I think, and stabilized the, the uh, the fracture site and put stem cells into that location when they stabilized it and the dog did fine. And the neurologist, you know, they'd already written the dog off. They said in 90 days, there was zero chance that this dog would ever regain anything. And I think the dog's name was Timmy. Dylan, do you, do you remember if Josh is on? I don't know if Josh remembers. Yeah, I, I don't remember that one. That was probably before my time, but it, it yeah. does, the case does ring a bell. Timmy, but and then the other one was Noel Berger uh, in South Carolina had a uh, little Yorkie that had been hit by the car and and uh, it they it, if you don't try it it has zero percent chance of working. Right, that was my thought too. Why not? We've got nothing to lose. She's not suffering. But a lot, and if she's not suffering, and that's, I mean, I'm. You, you brought up a really important point, and that is the, the aftercare is so the rehabilitation is so important on these. And that, that's not just related to back injuries. That's related to no. everything with the, everything with cell therapy. Um, we're so used to drugs that we just, okay, know. we'll give a dose of drugs, dog's better, dog's worse. You're through. This, now there's a little bit of, it's like, I guess you you say stem cells is like like planting a garden rather than going to the grocery store. Uh, exactly, gotta, that's a good way of thinking about it. You've got to tend the soil, you've got to water, you've got to do all the things to to grow a good crop. But um, I'm really impressed with the level of devotion. It it's not an easy road to take. And I've got, no. a, uh, I've got a question in the chat here for you, Doctor Rykovich, uh, Doctor Rao. Okay. 
wrote in this one. Uh, so were the injections for Rosie all along the spine into the spinal canal? And if so, did you have to withdraw some spinal fluid before, before putting in the stem cells? And then what volume was only? Eating? Yeah, only the one at L67 was into the spinal column. And no, we did not withdraw spinal fluid. I thought about that, but it was only 0.2 cc's. So I didn't think it was going to cause any intracranial pressure problems. And then we did inject a small volume of genomycin also. Gotcha. And then along the spine, um, those were near the, the nerve roots, at the nerve root area of the spine. They weren't uh, spinal taps. They were along the sides of the spine because it looked like a crushing injury on the x-rays at T3 and about the level of the lumbosacral area, both. So I, I took 0.2 cc's of injectable PRP and stem cell. It was this last time we had like nine syringes. So I did six, three on either side of the lumbosacral area and the remainder at the level of T3, T4. One thing that I might, that I might add, the, the genison, the genison intrathecally, um, that hopefully it just to flush the, I'm, I'm, and the only reason I'm saying this, because I mean, you've had excellent success and I don't think uh, genison has some little propensity to be a little neurotoxic. And yeah, and I, it was just as that that flush that was added in. Flush just to kick to kick the set good. I was a little bit because I'm always cautioning people on the intrathecal injections to be real careful not to put a not to get much. You know what? Let me let me look at the notes real quick because um, Sarah was helping us and we were discussing about the genomycin and I wrote down exactly what we did. Um, it says that we just put 0.2 cc's in joint space, and the only ones that had the genomycin were along the spine. Yeah, that makes me feel. So a lot. it didn't go into the. The, the yeah. only one that didn't get the genomycin was the, the spinal tap. Yeah. The, oh. And the only reason I say that is you can. I mean, if you you can use genomycin on these glaucoma cases to to kill the retina or to kill the ciliary to kill the ciliary. Um, uh, process around the eye for for the glaucoma, and I was just a little concerned about that. And that, it's and that's not a criticism at all. It's just a um, no because we had discussed posture. that. Um, I, I discussed it with Sarah. I said, you know what, this is this is different than putting it into a stifle or a hip. Right. Um, Good for you. So, the stifle or the hip, we would put genomycin in. No problem. And then. The L67 spinal tap did not get genomycin, but the ones along the spinal cord, did. not into the spinal cord, did right. have the spot uh, the genomycin. That's the certainly, rinse. like I said, it's not a not a just something for people to 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 think about. Um, you can you can flush those those if you want to get all the cells. You can flush them with a little bit of saline. Um, right. Uh, balanced physiologic saline or or um, um, just just a little cautionary thing with uh, with Jenison especially. But anyway, I'm no. I'm thank you for that because I was trying to. I had just been discussing with Chris on the way home about the genomycin. I said I need to review those notes to about the genomycin because we had been discussing about whether or not 
it should even go into the into the spinal column with a spinal tap and we had just used saline instead on that one not a problem on that and, one injection I, I mean if if you did use genocin i was going to have to rethink my <laughs> yeah but yeah that that would be my my suggestion but i'm impressed with the way she's uh that's what i was saying if if it was maybe genocin may be beneficial i'd have to rethink rethink that but it, it's uh i'm just impressed rosie did so well yeah, Rosie's she's doing amazing. Rosie's one of the best cases I've I've heard about in my five years here at Medivet. I mean, when I, I was talking to Dr. Rykovich last week, and, and she told me this story, and immediately I said, "We have to get you on the <laughs> webinar because absolutely I mean, the best <laughs> examples of you taking stem cell therapy, utilizing it as another tool in your toolkit, and just putting it to work and getting great results out of it." I'm just I'm just blown Absolutely. away by it, truly. Those are, but but she had to. You had to be willing to take and try it. You yeah, I I was just. It. I saw the potential of what it could be used for, and I was excited about it two years ago. So yeah, but when we got that space rented, I, the first thing I told Chris is, "We're doing it on Rosie." Absolutely. Yeah, I wish we had done it two it, years ago. And it worked. That, but you were willing to try it. That's why Dr. England, I'm so impressed with her as well, as far as, as she's willing to try it. She, she, she reasons through things and then she uses it with success, just like you did. Right. A wonderful success. And Rosie, even though you still have to express her bladder, I think that may change with time. That would Are be phenomenal. Any with that, Dr. Rykovich? With the bladder? No, not yet. Okay. We still have to express her. Do you think she could potentially see any improvement, Dr. Rykovich or Dr. Snyder? I think so. Of course, maybe she likes having her bladder expressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we joke about it. Who squeezed Rosie today? <laughs> it's several times a day. It's like at least four or five times a day because we want to make sure that the bladder doesn't get that full and you know back pressure on those kidneys. Right. A bladder infection is going to be a huge, huge concern, but it sounds like she's doing yeah, very, and very well. For three years, she's done phenomenal because that was my huge concern at first. Oh, gosh, this is going to be this could this, be a nightmare. It's a potential train wreck, but God, I'm I'm just I'm blown away. I'm very impressed. Excellent job. Truly Thank a great you. case. Thank you. Got another, got uh, got another couple questions in the chat here for you, Dr. Rykovich. Uh, this one's on Jim Eisen. Okay. And it was yes. mentioned for joint injections. Uh, this person is wondering if that is necessary for all injections or, or only in particular cases. And maybe you or Dr. Snyder can kind of speak to that. My, my understanding was that the genomycin was just for the joint injections. And that, yeah. that would be not including the spine. Yeah, I think that people were using mostly the genocin. They were flushing, flushing what cells were in the were in the syringe hub out. So right. Usually we just we just used enough genocin just to push it out the hub of the syringe, not really too much in the joint. It's not going to hurt the joints any at all. It's used in in equine medicine. It's used very very commonly. Um, and but I guess you know it it depends on um, um, you know I'm a big stickler for for surgical preps for all those all those joint injections right. with the uh, with a five-minute scrub and all that, I'm still old school on that. But, but um, 
the the genesis just a little bit of an insurance policy right because you're going right into that yep. joint capsule and and, and that the joint joints are immune those joints are immune privileged so never hurts to have a little bit of of a, um have a friend on your side right <laughs> and it's in the protocol the the medivet protocol yeah exactly how much genesin to use we can, I think we measured. I can't remember exactly what it was. We made, it was 0.2 c, 0.2. Yeah, that. I think we were even CCs. less than that. It was just whatever it took to, whatever the volume was that it took to, to put what was ever in the hub of that needle expressed, expressed out. But it, it's it's just a it's a a method of you getting all the cells that you possibly can and a little bit of prophylactic measure in there too. But yeah, that's wasn't it. 0.2 cc's that we put into the platelet-rich plasma as a, oh, the, one, just a small additive. Yeah, the on the, when you're preparing your buffers or your flush solutions, you right. you dilute it down. It's very very. It, so it would be a really small gram, amount after that. When you figure the milligrams that are that are actually in the final diluted product, um, it's very very dilute, but still enough just that little bit of of bactericidal. Effect with the, the other thing we did that I thought was super important, I was a chemist before becoming a vet, um, was we ordered a, a fume hood, one specific for human stem cell. And it's a company from Texas. They have a really, it's a small fume hood specifically uh -huh. for doing your work for uh, making sure that there's no bacteria that gets into your samples for human stem cell therapy. And I called them and, and let them know I was going to use it for veterinary stem cell. And they thought that was so cool. They gave us a discount and sent us the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the human fume hood for stem cell therapy and told, told us to keep them updated to let us know how we were using their equipment. Yeah, the, the laminar flow, I think that's a, another one of the laminar flow hoods. Those are, it, it's a sterile, sterile hood, a HEPA, it should have a HEPA filter. It does. Yeah. And those are very, very good. But I've also, pro I've done some horses out in a barn. Yeah, I'll bet. With, with flies and, with flies and dust and hay. Cows <laughs> always made me laugh how they mixed up the IV fluids for a cow. I'm like, are you going to use a bucket? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Especially and then horses had to be, you know, more sterile, but the cows always amazed me. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so unsterile. Our pharmacology, our pharmacology teacher when I was in school said, you could probably run creek water IV with no problem. <laughs> but yeah. of course, that was before there was a great deal of liability, too. Oh, I know. I know. But Dr. Reifich, um, I know you kind of already touched on Andy's case a little bit, but do you care to just get into it a little bit more in depth? I know that was a arthritic. Sure. Case. I'm sure a lot of people would like to yeah. hear about that one as well. Absolutely. Andy is a 13-year-old male-neutered Pyrenees mix that belonged to one of our friends that passed away in February. Uh, he was arthritic to the point in his hips where a lot of trouble standing, sitting down. He was painful when he'd been laying down for a while, trouble getting back up. He was not playful anymore. He would pick at his food. He just wasn't feeling good. So we, we ran blood work, baseline blood work. Um, and like I said, we'd been doing sub-Q fluids once a week on him or he would quit eating. 
and he was pretty painful. So we did, collected his stem cells from the fat uh, just caudal to his left shoulder and purified it on July 2nd, injected half a cc into both hips, into the joint, and it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. I haven't done joint taps in a while. His went pretty smoothly. And then sent him home that night. And within a few days, we'd been checking on him every day to see how he was doing, make sure that he wasn't going to be running around or doing anything strenuous if he started feeling better. But in less than a week, we got word that he was up, he was wagging his tail, he had a smile on his face, he was eating better, he was feeling better. And it's just been getting better since then. And then two weeks later, Sarah had put some platelet-rich plasma in the freezer Good. of Andy's that we had saved. And two weeks later, we went and injected that. Um, I didn't go into the joint capsule, but I, I put it right near the hips in the, in the area of the joint. And he's, he's doing phenomenal. We, they put those of him on the Facebook account for Golden Bone because we're associated with Gold, Golden Bone Rescue and Rehab. And he's running with a big smile on his face. I went over there to visit him and I go, come on, Andy, let's go. And he took off chasing me around the yard. This is a 13-year-old Pyrenees mix. So it, it just made me smile because, you know, we'd promised our friend we'd help take care of him. And I just, you know, think that she's smiling down seeing her dog that was pretty elderly and arthritic running around chasing the younger dog around the yard. Dr. Ragovich, it's, it's certainly shocking that a 13-year-old Pyrenees would have arthritis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's I like, know. It's like which ones don't. Good. I mean, those are the very, very cool story. I think your friend would be quite pleased. Yeah, I think so. And we've got one up and coming. Our clients stick with us for years. I've got clients from over 15 years ago that found out I'm not doing emergency anymore, and they drove three hours to come to our open night. Our opening, we had a PowerPoint that Sarah did a presentation and these people drove in from three hours away because we do get excited about seeing their kids do better. You know, that's why I became a vet. Absolutely. I, I love seeing them better. I like fixing them. Anything I can do to make them have a better life because animals give you unconditional love. You, you don't really get that anywhere else. Not that I've seen, but it just puts the biggest smile on my face when I see an animal come in that's, you know, people have given up on and, and, oh, there's no hope. And then the after, the after pictures, the after videos, well, we've got thousands of them over the 17 years. Rosie's no, no exception. She's part of the thousands that we've taken care of. She just happens to, you know, live at our house with quite a few others. But it, it just always makes me smile when I see the effect that we can have on them with, with something like stem cells, because it's, it's a huge tool. There's so much we could do with it. My next case is 
a client from over 10 years ago. They found us recently that we are doing daytime practice again, and they've got a diabetic fat men pin. Oh my God, <laughs> this dog is fat. <laughs> and it's the diabetic and osteoarthritis also. So I thought that's going to be an amazing case to do stem cell for the osteoarthritis and then see if anything happens with the diabetes. We've had some, we've had some comments on that as far as the diabetes. So far, there, a lot of people are saying be sure and monitor what your right. doses are doing and how, if they're, they're on insulin. So far, there haven't been a lot of, of, you know, I think Mike talked about one dog that had, had um, reduced the dose of insulin. So that may be one thing to, one thing to watch. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was thinking if anything, it might reduce the dose. So I told the owner, if we do stem cell, we're definitely going to more closely monitor the diabetes. But it would be amazing for her osteoarthritis. That is a win case right there. That's what I'm thinking. And if she gets and if she gets to where she feels better and she can move better, she's gonna exercise more, she's gonna lose some weight. Win win. Right. Well, I've already got her on swimming therapy. Good. Good. And that's a good point too. You know, a lot of these people come in, they're like, stem cell is how much? Well, start with laser. Start with acupuncture. Start with swimming. And then when they see the difference, then they're going to be more open to stem cell. Yep. Stem cells are an op stem cells are an option and it's a good option to put out there. And just like you said, if there's a sticker shock, we'll talk about doing PRP. Getting PRP. Right. Get the dog losing weight. Get the dog feeling better. Swimming. Get them get, right. get them active. And we always say, you know, it, that dog may not be the dog you do stem cells on, but yeah. And I, I had one of those dog. this week. Yeah. She came in and demanded stem cell, yep. but the dog stifle was so unstable that I told her, I'm sorry, ma'am. You know, I would love to, but your dog needs surgical repair first. And then we can do PRP or stem cell or both. Well, the stem yeah. cell comes with the PRP. Don't count out, but, those, don't count out those ACL tears. Those, uh, even those unstable ones. Um, in fact, I was going to suggest to Dylan maybe getting Dr. Rovner um, back. I on. mean, this, yeah, this we knee actually, was walking uh, we actually, around. We actually have a podcast uh, recorded with Dr. Rovner by himself, just speaking to all the cruciate cases that he's done. I also know uh, Dr. Bird down in North Carolina has done a number of them with great success, and, and we've spoken we've spoken on that on this podcast as well. Or yeah, even with a full tear. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. don't that, really because that's me was so unstable. Yeah, we talk about we've talked. You know, it's like when we're in school, we're we're taught some things. Once you tear that tendon, it's done, right? Right. Maybe not. Wow. There people, there are people that are. In fact, I think that uh, Dr. Maurer in Las Vegas had a dog that he had done stem cells on, and then the dog tore the other tore the other cruciate. And he went into this knee to repair it, and he said you could already see where the the cruciate ligament was regrowing. Wow! So don't, really? Don't count out that that uh, that's another option and another use for these cells. Once again, I think that is one where you absolutely have to have you know some rehabilitation. That dog is not 
on anything longer than a four-foot lead, very controlled rehab. Right. But they're going right. to crash the other one. But it gives you another non I'll say another non, it gives you a non-surgical option for cruciate tears. What if the dog was, tore the meniscus too, and it was in so much pain that all the pain medicine that it was already on wasn't controlling it? You can release that, you can release those those cruciates and do stem cells or imbricate imbricate the joint if it's something that you could imbricate. And then do stem cells, which has been a really interesting thing to do. Let the stem cells work. Let the imbrication stabilize it while the stem cells are working. Right, because that's what I told her. I would fix it and do at a minimum PRP Yep, but the stem with cells, the surgery. It is, it is interesting. I've talked about on this webinar before the dog that we did. We imbricated did stem cells. How many of those that you see after you're in that joint, whether it be for a for a TTA, a TPLO, or an imbrication, you go back how many months later, you've already got osteoarthritis in that joint. Right. We'd, we x-rayed this dog two years afterwards, a little over two years, and I've got the x-rays on it. Two years later, you can still see the hole in the bone where the imbrication suture went through. Two years later, and the joint is as clean as probably the day that the surgery was done. So it does, and did you do PRP and stem cell or just yeah, PRP? Mixed, mixed PRP and stem cell, just the standards. Wow. On the dog. So, that's amazing. So don't, you know, those are the things to where every, that's what the value of this webinar really is, is what are, what are other people doing? How are they doing it? What results are they having? Expand what we're doing with these, these, um, the, these stem cell cases. Uh, you know, it's, it, it amazes me every time I'm I'm on. I learn as much listening and talking to people every month. I really appreciate everybody get your your story on Rosie and and those are yeah makes you feel good. Makes you yeah. Feel good. It's it's interesting. Sure. You've been in practice 17 years, and I've been in practice 43, 44 years, and it seems like the older veterinarians almost we've seen what, and I tell people when we graduated from veterinary school, pretty well you figured anything that couldn't be fixed surgically could be fixed with drugs, and anything you couldn't fix with drugs you could fix surgically. Doesn't take very long for us out in practice to realize that doesn't work very well. There are cases, no. that, and this gives us an option for treating these animals for doing something and you're you're absolutely correct on the on the uh, the a huge tool in your toolkit and it should yes. be every time you use it it makes it a little easier for you to get it the next time and the next time but it's an easy talk after you've seen what you've got with Rosie if you have another dog that comes in with a spinal injury it's going to make it very easy for you to talk to the those people about and show them what happened? Hey guys, I had a, I had a question. It's Dr. Randall in Michigan. Sure. Um, we were talking about uh, uh, cruciate ligaments just a bit ago, and uh, just recently I started using stem cells for those, um, both partials and fulls, and I've done oh probably three or four in the last couple of months. 
and they are all turning out really well, surprisingly well, without wow. any stabilization. I've done big dogs and little dogs, um, and yeah, just suddenly I had like this rush of them, um, and so uh, yeah, they're they're doing great. My question about that um, was, and I I kind of remember hearing some comment on one of the previous um, podcasts about uh, using stem cells for crucial tears and it seemed like somebody was talking about them seeming to get better toward the end of that 90-day window um, rather than right up front and and hopefully I'm remembering remembering that correctly but that is what I've been seeing as well it seems like they uh, they kind of go slow at first then all of a sudden get a, a whole lot better a little bit further down the line has anybody else experienced that at all? I think that uh, from what Dr. Rovner was talking, he's had a very nice protocol on his because he injected the stem cells. And then when he saw the dog for suture removal of 14 days, he had stored PRP and he'd aliquoted PRP. And if the dog wasn't doing as well as he thought it should, he re-injected the knee. And then another 15 to 30 days, same thing, just kept re-injecting the PRP to kind of boost the stem cells. And it was a very nice protocol. And once again, we're, we're back to the, the ones with, um, boy, on these guys, the rehabilitation and keeping them from tearing that other knee. Dr. Randall, you can probably, are you, are you doing some, some or advising the people as far as aftercare on your cases? Matt? Uh, yeah, certainly we're doing, um, you know, keeping them pretty strict on, on, uh, uh their exercise limitations and um, doing some range of motion exercises and that type of thing. But yeah, we're, uh, we're trying to treat them just like we would if we were doing a, a MRIT or some other stabilization procedure, but not doing that, just doing the, uh, the stem cells. And uh, at least one of the dogs, I also um, injected both knees, even though there was only one that was actually uh, torn and, um, but hey, if it's good, good for one, can't hurt the other. Um, and so that uh, that dog's doing great. And then, kind of a, a follow-up question, I guess, if you if you have a second while we're on the subject. Um, and this might be just just for general use of stem cell therapy. But uh, I had a case today that I uh, injected. This was a a cruciate tear that we had done. Um, about 90 days ago and we re-injected today from some bank stem cells that we had uh, primarily because the owner is leaving for a dog show in Europe and, and wanted to get it done before they go. Uh, that was the, the whole reason for doing it uh, so quick back to back, which was kind of interesting, but they were really, uh, they had bank stem cells and they wanted to use them. And I'm like, well, it's not going to hurt anything. And so I'm wondering if anybody else uh, had experienced using the procedure that close to each other and, and if they got any, uh, or feel like you have any bigger bang for your buck or, or what have you with that. You know, we do, we do with, um, when we're doing with atopy or a lot of these immune mediated diseases, we're doing 30 days. Oh yeah. We'll go out 30 days um, and, and pull another dose in and give it. So 90 days, I don't have any problem at all. And it, you're not going to hurt anything with them. You're absolutely not going to hurt anything. Um, 
Dr. Rykovich, how, how often are you pulling vials for Rosie? I know you, you just scheduled another one uh, this past week. Yeah, we did July 2nd, and then we did August 10th. I meant to do it on August 2nd, um, 30 days apart, because she's a compassionate use case. Mm -hmm. So I was going to continue to do hers once a month at day 0, 30, and 60. And then we have two more injects, injections left in cryo, so I was going to go ahead and do one more at day 90. Because the second stem cell therapy we did, we did notice more of an improvement just from the first stem cell therapy on July 2nd. So sure. that second dose, you know, four or five weeks later has made another improvement and a difference. So I'm anxious to see 30 days from now what that'll do. Are you thinking about doing the intrathecal when you do the next, when you do the 90 day? I was just curious if I it, could. It, it would seem that that would be beneficial to me. I'm, yeah, that's why I did it the first time. And then this, yeah. this second time I thought, well, she still can't urinate. Maybe I'll just go around the nerve roots because it looked kind of like a crushing injury. Have you thought um, about so I thought, some of it on an epidural as well to flood? Or to, yeah. To uh, take, do your intrathecal and then, because that's going to be in the spinal canal and an epidural is just going to, just going to be essentially coating that, that cauda equina and those lower lower lumbar uh, nerve roots. Yeah, I could do that. Got another uh, question in the chat here. Um, Dr. Rovner, Dr. Rykovich, you may be able to, to speak to this. Um, or excuse me, not Dr. Rovner, Dr. Snyder. <laughs> um, hey. Has anyone tried IV stem cells only? Uh, not at the spine directly, but for a spinal cord patient, just IV only. What would be your thoughts on that? I think they're going to get they're they're going to get there. The stem cells are going to go where there's inflammation or where there's a problem. They're going to get there, but the problem is your that that the area that we're working with around the spine is immune privileged. Um, right. So it's going to be a little bit harder for those cells to get to. Um, probably to me, I would I would like to go ahead and at least get them in the area either paralumbar or even better on on a spinal injury like this intrathecal um, i know a lot of people are real squeamish about intrathecal injections but um once again it's, it's it could surgical prep. practice on a cadaver yeah, practice on a cadaver surgical prep is going to be i'm i'm not i i haven't talked to a lot of people that have gone ahead and pulled much of the of the uh, cerebrospinal fluid out. I think it would depend on your dose. You're not going. I don't think on two tenths of a cc you're gonna you're going to increase the the uh, uh, spinal pressure the 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 pressure in that spinal spinal fluid that much. Another uh, question into the chat here: um, Is anybody still using the caudal scapular area to retrieve adipose? Uh, Dr. Rao is yes. saying that that the falciform is much better to process and filter. What would be your thoughts on that, Dr. Snyder? Uh, we've gone to all falciform. I mean, it's just, uh, we had we had some issues with, uh, with the scap scapular harvest as far as seroma formation. And actually the, the falciform was faster. 
we could get the we could get the fat harvested much faster, um, much smaller incision, much less uh, much less trauma. So yeah, Dr. Dr. Rao says she's uh, she's actually seeing the same results. So kind of lines up with her findings as well. Yeah, but it's it's kind of it's surgeon preference. You know, some people on some people on cats are just doing the the, the fat pads, the inguinal fat pads on them. On a fat dog, I imagine if there's enough fat in the inguinal area, you could go ahead and get get fat there. It's just a matter of getting the fat. I like the falsiform. I think the falsiform has more cells in it, but um, it's it's kind of whatever the surgeon surgeon's preference is on it. Sure, sure. Well, I think it's uh, I think it's about time to shut it down for the night, unless anybody has any more questions. You need to have some music, Dylan, that you can you can play. <laughs> some like back some like background music. Yeah, uh, yeah. To find Bob Will's uh find a little Bob Will's um, We need a we need a we need music. a podcast theme song. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> play it play it on the play it on the intro. Let me know if you have any recommendations, Dr. Sider. Um <laughs> no, that that inappropriate. Some A C D C maybe. I don't know. I was I was I was gonna go a stairway to heaven myself, but Dr. Know. Randall says uh, Bob Wills is the king. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um Dr. Rao said, Dr. Snyder, she uh she said that she has one of your patients coming in for a re injection next week. Cool. They're traveling two hours to, to get to her and they love you. <laughs> those are always those are always such good things to hear it it they they just makes you feel makes you feel good makes you know why you became a veterinarian mrs miss chalman is that oh, right Ch well? yeah sure um a dog's name is oliver <laughs> yeah dog's name is oliver yep. he's a uh he is a uh, uh a poodle um yeah, he's a poodle. Um, she's a jogger. She's a jogger, and uh, Oliver, we called him the marionette dog. I've got videos of that dog. Um, we called him the marionette dog because it literally looked when we first saw him that he was a marionette. You know how the, the, the every the joint is? That's what Oliver looked like. <laughs> Tell Mrs. Chalman hi for me. She's a delight. <laughs> And that's a that's a, one more point I want to make before we before we close out here is that if anybody has a pet owner that, that is moving out of state or a little too far away from your clinic, we, we have a database of all of our veterinarians. Uh, if you just give us a call, or you have the pet owner, give us a call. We can refer them to another Medivet veterinarian so that they can, can they can continue to get those stem cell treatments that they need. Absolutely. Good just point. To, just another note to make for everybody. Just keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, looks like uh, that's all the time we have for tonight. Thank you, everybody, for, for coming on. Dr. Rykovich, can't thank you enough for all of your great work that you've Absolutely. done with us so far. Can't wait to do some more cases oh, no problem. coming up in the future. Uh, Dr. Snyder, as yeah. always, thank you very much, sir. Oh, heavens, it's my, my pleasure. I'm waiting for you to start singing. Because when you start singing, <laughs> I'll sing on the I'll sing on the outro next time. I'll have something prepared for you. Yeah, oh, I'm I'll hold you to it, buddy. <laughs> and thank you to everybody yeah. that uh, that participated. As always, everyone have a great night. Thank you, everyone. Bye.